Hello and welcome to Hysterical Women. I'm your host, Freya Stewart-Grant. Today, I'm going to be joined by two very special guests, Maddie Chamberlain and Melenka Manford. Today, our topic will be women's safety at clubs, events and venues, as well as on the streets at night. Thank you both for joining me today on this podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time. First, I'd like to start off by hearing a bit more about you both. So I'd love for you both to introduce yourselves. Hey, I'm Maddie. Um, I work at the Bodega in Nottingham, um, which is a music venue and bar and club. Um, So we see all sorts there. Um, I went to NTU Uni um, and then basically been working there ever since I graduated about five years ago. (laughs) Oh, wow. So you stayed in Nottingham after graduating? Yeah, stuck around. (laughs) Much nicer here. Where are you from before um, Nottingham then? I'm from Dudley, which is like near Birmingham. (laughs) Wow, very north. Not much going on there. (laughs) What made you, you know, work at the bodega? I I remember you saying you um, were in a band. Are you very into music then? Yeah, I mean, when I was at uni, I was in a band. um, And so I just used to go to a lot of gigs anyway. And bodega was kind of like, one of the places I used to hang out and then I finished uni and realized that I didn't want to go into what I was studying so I just started working on the bar there because I panicked and then um and then I went into managing and I just love it and now I go and now I work um now I'm like the production manager so I do all the gig stuff which is perfect very nice to hear and Milenka how about you hi so I'm Milenka as you said um I'm first year physicist at uni of Nottingham um, I'm from quite a small town originally, so not much going on there. So coming to Nottingham and sort of being introduced to much bigger nightlife was a big change for me, really, from what I was used to. How are you finding your first year at UN? Um, overwhelming at times, but I've met some really cool people. Like you're one of them, and oh, I, I love going out. I love going out with the societies and sort of meeting people with similar interests, making friends. What societies are you part of? Which one's your favourites? I'm part of FizzSock. Um, I'm part of, yeah, Go Physics, Women in STEM. I'm part of the Women in STEM Society. Um, They're pretty cool over there too. Um, I'm part of the music one and the equestrian one, but I've not been out which with those. Very nice, very nice. Um, so before we started, I just wanted to put a, like a bit of a disclaimer that all of the issues raised in this episode do affect both men and women. Men can and do face violent and sexual assault at nightclubs and bars on the street. However, it can't be ignored that the vast majority of cases have women as the victim and men as the perpetrator. Male victims do exist. However, I feel like the issue of violence against men has so many unique nuances compared to violence against women that I feel it would be best discussed separately. So in this episode, our main focus will be on women's safety and violence against women. However, we do acknowledge that women are not the only victims of these sorts of crimes. I thought that was quite important to acknowledge because I realised we've been saying, um, in my notes we were saying women, 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 and I know especially with spiking, um, which we'll get onto later, I know it does happen, you know, quite a large amount to men as well. Yeah. Yeah, it happens to everybody. It's important to address for sure. So safety at bars and clubs and on the street is not a new issue. Um, I feel like it's just now receiving a lot more media attention and the media attention it deserves. Have you both noticed this? And like, why do we think that this might be happening? 
I mean, I think that obviously over the years, social media just becomes more and more rife um, with kind of in a good way of being able to talk about things. Um, and so many people feel like it's a platform to share their experiences, which is so helpful to others because then other people speak about it. So although it seems like it is happening more, it could just be also that it's spoken about more um and it's on it's like the top of the media um which is which is a good thing because it needs to be um it needs to be spoken about and for people to hear it um and pay attention to it so I think a lot of it is to do with social media I think a lot of it could be to do with social media and I feel like also women are now being taken a lot more seriously and I feel like the world in general has become you know a lot more open to actually know these you know these crimes are you know very very serious crimes and I feel like they're being taken a bit more seriously you know not I don't think as seriously as they need to be but I feel like people are listening to women a little bit more these days because women are sharing their stories and more women are coming out you know the me too movement and women actually coming forwards and saying no this isn't right and so I feel like you know hopefully this movement of women standing up against it might be a large reason as to why this um increased because I'm sure you know Maddie I'm sure when you were back at uni all these sorts of things were happening but it just wasn't talked about as much I'm guessing oh yeah for sure yeah and I remember I remember being spiked in a bar once and I had to call in sick and they were like oh I bet she's just hung over and I was like mm, the fact that that's not being taken seriously is a problem not where I work now at an old work um and I think the fact that yeah it's just being believed I think is the important thing and I I think that is a lot people have got a lot better at believing the victim of things now it's still got a long way to go but I think it's it's getting better (laughs) yeah definitely definitely there are multiple issues causing women to be unsafe at night and so I thought we could talk a bit about them a little bit separately um so one of the first issues is definitely a lack of safe and affordable ways to get home late at night So, you know, buses and tubes stop and Ubers become really, really expensive in the evenings. Um, And so I don't know, Maddie, how would you get home from a club? (laughs) I mean, I I have to twice a week because I do. I finish night shifts. So I I leave um, at about four in the morning. So, I mean, I actually just walk um, because I'm only about 20 minutes from town. Obviously, anything could happen in 20 minutes. Um, But I live in not a not a bad area and I always kind of have my wits about me um so I do actually walk but I feel like I've missed most of the that when everyone comes out of clubs at three <laughs> that's like probably the worst time <laughs> so and obviously I'm not intoxicated when I leave work so it's a bit of a different situation but I would always encourage people to go home with a friend where they can. <laughs> Malenka how would you get home from a night out um, do you find this issue of Ubers becoming really, really oh, expensive? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, even when it's not that far, you know, an Uber can be like £15 or something. I have sort of, I've shared Ubers a few times, but usually I walk and I try and find someone to walk with. But there has been occasions I've walked by myself. And when I do that, you know, I don't put any earphones in and I walk as fast as I can, big strides, try and just keep moving. And I stay on like the main roads where the lights are. The fact that you have to think about not putting yeah. earplugs in, not earphones in, and walking really fast and stuff. The guy, like a lot of guys, don't have to think like that. I know that obviously these things happen to everybody, but the fact that women have to be so aware of the the steps they have to take to feel safer on a, on a way home 
is a problem and yeah like you say like there's not night buses a lot of the time um or trams that stop at midnight so yeah do the trams is it midnight the trams stop in Nottingham I think it's around midnight one yeah and then I know so I know in London they've got night buses and there was talk about bringing in back in night tubes but during the pandemic I think that just didn't end up happening and I feel like you know resources such as having you know night tubes or I wanted to talk briefly about a um, company called Strutsafe mm. um, so Strutsafe are a really cool charity they're based in um, Edinburgh and in Edinburgh they will send out vetted volunteers to walk people home in Edinburgh and then if you're not in Edinburgh you can just phone their line um, and it's just normal call rates and so I've called them before and you just call them and you just have a chat while you're walking home so you actually have someone on the end of the phone or you can say to them oh you know I'm going to be home in 10 minutes can you ring me back in 10 minutes and then they can ring you back check you got home and so I feel like you know services such as Strutsafe it just gives you that peace of mind and I think it's quite scary that we have to you know use a charity call line just to walk home sometimes yeah or you know I had a party and two of my friends you know they were getting home in different ways so then I was leaving the party with another person so we had to have three of us walk there so then I wasn't walking back by myself and it's it's but then I had guys leaving and they'd just be like bye and you I realized you don't even ask them how they're getting home. But as soon as my friend was like, I'm getting the tram, that was it. I had to go find someone else. And we're like, right, we're walking her to the tram stop. Mm. Yeah, you have to really think about it. That strut safe sounds like a really good, um, really good idea, though. I like that a lot. Because I, I often say, like, obviously, you check in with your friends or you ring your friends. But sometimes your friends aren't always going to be available to call. So it's good to know that there's always someone on the end of the line. Yeah, that's good. No. I'm surprised it doesn't get I wish things like that could get more attention in the media as well because I I wouldn't have even thought of that as an option when walking home and it's nice it's nice to know it's there I'll have to um, I'll have to tag their like Instagram and website in the um, bio for this episode they've got really cute branding and they yeah and all like each time I've phoned up they've been really lovely women and they just have a little chat with you it's you just chat about nonsense they just ask you about your evening and I've been really drunk walking home at 3 a.m and they're like stone cold sober (laughs) to the light must be quite a funny volunteering thing for them (laughs) I bet they've got loads of like stories logged in their heads that they don't share but random conversations yeah (laughs) I also have noticed there's been a massive increase in reports of issues with bouncers. Um, and I know that can be because I think our bouncers, you might have to answer this for me, Maddie, are bouncers, you know, from external companies? Yeah, so so the, they won't be the the venues. They won't be employed by specifically by the venue. There, there's several, like, in a city, there'll probably be, like, three, three or four different companies that, like, have all the security like the employ security guards or bouncers so um then the venues employ a company to provide them with that so yeah I mean like kind of they just get kind of put in random venues and sometimes I mean I work in a venue that's quite picky so we it's a nice it's quite a nice venue so that we get to be like if someone is a bit dodgy then we just kind of go right well that was that and you're not coming back and we kind of get to make that decision as a venue to be like we didn't like that you you won't be returning to work here like you'll have to go and work somewhere but we don't get to see where they go next do you know what I mean obviously the feedback gets sent to the company the security company and we can decide that we don't want them at our venue but then not sure what happens after that which is a bit of a a talking point probably 
Because I don't know, um, Milenka, I don't know if you've seen, you know, the videos on Instagram or the videos online of um, bouncers. And I feel like they quite often, you know, they're the people who are meant to be looking out for people's safety. Yet it's not uncommon to hear, yeah. you know, this bouncer did this or. Mm. Well, actually, um, last time I went out, I was at a club in Nottingham and there was a bouncer there refusing to let a girl in. He'd let all her friends in and said she drank too much and she was leaving her outside or by herself. Just one girl alone on the streets and I just and she was so drunk yeah, yeah she was, that's she, not I mean, safe she was trying she was talking to the 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 bouncer trying to let her trying to get in but he was refusing her entry just not talk just not being very nice to her and just left her alone and she was you know without her group then or by herself and you just think she's drunk she's by herself and in the middle of the night you know you're just starting then to get you know you're encouraging the issues almost by leaving her alone it's not nice yeah, that's dangerous. And it's not nice when, you know, they are the people employed for your safety. You know, they are the people who, yeah. you know, like I've had experiences where I was um, I was too drunk to get in a club um, back when I was younger, but they made sure they were like, oh, who were you with? And they called one of my friends back out and was like, you need to stay with her and you need to, luckily I, they were like, walk around for half an hour, then come back. But they made sure to, you know, grab me a friend and were like, you know, who are you with? Yeah. But I feel like that's not even asking too much to do. Like, I feel like that's just asking them that's just, to do their job. That's literally yeah, being be a decent person, isn't it? <laughs> and so it's kind of scary that, you know, you're saying, no, we didn't like this from Bouncer, but you don't know what the company, you don't know how they treat those, you know, how you treat those complaints. You know, they yeah. could be going and being like, oh, okay, it's fine. We just won't send them there. We'll send them to other places that don't mind. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I know I've had issues, you know, with them. Um, my friends you know having anti-semitic um bouncers and seeing the videos of violence against women and it's just horrendous because there's no follow-up and the venues don't get to hear what Mm. happens with these bouncers yeah they just get sent away and I mean I'm sure some security companies do like do like have repercussions but you don't know we don't know what they are and yeah if they're allowed to keep their badge or not and I know that um, to get the badge, I know that um, previous sex offenders, previous um, violent offenders are allowed to go through the process of getting, you know, these badges as long as they've like served their sentence or whatever. And so, you know, they could be you know, previously convicted of, you know, violent sexual assault and yet still go on to gain these badges. And it's a case of there's not that, you know, barrier in place, you know, like, for example, in in lots of different industries where they go, if you've had this history, you can't do this. Mm. Um, And so it's one of those industries that it it doesn't have the regulation that you think it could have, or you think it should have just to keep people safe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'd I'd also be interested. I don't know, Maddie, you know, like what training they get. So I feel like um, more training of of, um, bouncers and stuff, encouraging them to sort of think about issues might be useful. Yeah, we there are um there there are like basic security training that everyone goes through. I know, um, and then I think I mean we because I so I work for DHP and um, we kind of involve external companies um, like Safe Gigs for Women and oh, there's been quite a lot actually, but the names have escaped me. And we get them to come in and do training. We're actually rolling out another one this year. Um, which I'm involved in for that's about kind of like um, gender genderless toilets um, and things like that and like the the new 
rules that we want to bring in and make it really clear for security kind of like what is not acceptable from them um so we have like external people come in and offer these trainings which i think is important because although the security company might not they might not be qualified enough to train them on this do you know what i mean like the people who run the company might not be like really have that that much know about it so but they can employ the venues and the security company can employ external people that know so much about it and it's their job to pass along that information so that people understand so I think it's yeah getting like kind of these charities and these um safety for women kind of companies involved in extra training for security is necessary and that's brilliant and that sounds like an amazing thing that you know Bodega are doing however you know if these companies are providing fully trained bouncers, you kind of would assume that in the basic bouncer training to be a bouncer at a venue, at a club, at a gig, those sorts of things would be oh, yeah. important in the in the training. And so, you know, as amazing as these things are and as why is the onus on, you know, the employer to train up the staff that they're employing, you know, why would it not be for the regulatory um company to be like actually no we need to you know make sure these bouncers are safe we need to make sure these bouncers are fully trained in you know safety for women in safety for people in the lgbt mm. and it's very you know disheartening that companies such as bodega are having to go out and be like no we have to provide this extra level of safety because we don't know what these people have been trained in yeah yeah it should be like a base level uh, when they're first going into it yeah i agree Another issue that is a huge, huge issue at the moment, and I know it's you know massive in Nottingham as well, um, is drink spiking. So I know there's been a massive increase in reports. Whether or not that's an increase in reports or an increase in it happening, you know, it's very hard to tell with that sort of thing. And it's also very, very difficult to catch who it was, um, which is why it makes it so scary, I think. Yeah, and also, like, um, I know it happened to someone I know, and she was like, so she begins questioning herself, going, was it, was I spiked or was it that I just was just drunk and I drank too much? And sort of get into this cycle of questioning it and then blaming herself. And she can't, she took a drink from someone she didn't know and she shouldn't have done, but she wasn't sure. She thought she knew them. And she kind of gets confusing, I guess. And that makes it harder to track it down and find out really what happened. The thing is, you can do so many, um, so many things to try and protect yourself or take actions that way to protect you, yourself and your friends. But realistically, there needs to be some kind of, I don't know, like teaching people in schools or something to not do this to people. Like it shouldn't be that you're having to to take all these extra precautions so that you're protected. It should be that people shouldn't be doing this in the first place and I mean that comes from like society issues and it's such a big (laughs) it's a really big issue (laughs) I don't even know where you'd really start but yeah maybe some extra extra teaching in school it's like the basic consent teaching in school and I remember from my lessons in school it was just that tea video and that was it and that's all they kind of told you about consent and there wasn't much more and that kind of goes for everything you know spiking sex like anything in anything you do and that was kind of all we got taught this tea video and you think is that really enough no because this is happening and it's real and it's upsetting yeah later on in this podcast I did want to come on to resolutions as to how you know things could change and steps to move forwards but I think spiking is such an interesting one because 
at the end of the day, if someone wants to spike someone, there's no amount of bag searches. There's no amount of, you know, being vigilant at the bars that companies can do. Even, you know, you hear women, you know, I they were saying, you know, they were really safe. They didn't accept drinks from people. They watched their drink, which, you know, they shouldn't have to do. But they did all these precautions that they were told, yet still got spiked. And then it's a case of, it's a case of, you know, going back to education and saying, you know, why are these people doing this? Why are these people thinking that this is, you know, an acceptable thing to do or thinking this is a fun thing to do? And actually going back to the level of being like, how do we stop people from thinking that this is okay? Mm. Yeah, it's almost like a power trip, isn't it? Where they just want to have con- like power over someone else and make them more vulnerable. Um, it's a big issue to try and tackle where that comes from. <laughs> And then I'm sure we all saw the um, girls' night in. Um, when was mm. that? Was it November? Uh, yeah. Oh, God, I'm not sure. It feels like a while ago now. But, yeah, maybe October, November last year. Hmm. I might have just pulled November out of thin air. But I remember <laughs> that was a big thing in Nottingham because of the rise in reports. But as I said earlier, I think that must just be a rise in reports because, you know, Maddie, when you were back at uni, was this, you know, such a big issue? Or do you think there has been a bit of a rise in it? I remember people kind of talking about it. Um, a little bit, but definitely not so many reports. Like there has been so many lately, um, and I think obviously there are sometimes where people because I've seen it myself where people do panic that they have been spiked and they haven't. It might just be that it's like they've had a real concoction of stuff, and and it has happened. So it's tricky because obviously you first the first thing is to believe that the person has been spiked obviously but as a as a venue we have to ensure that the next step is taken and if they have been spiked they need to go straight to hospital like without a question but if you can talk to them and maybe figure out that they haven't then obviously they don't need to be all sent to hospital so it's kind of this this way of like obviously the first thing you do is believe them and then try and figure out if that's the the case needs to be go straight to hospital and they will fix you um so I think I've seen a lot more definitely in the past like couple of years of whether it's been definitely spiking or whether there's just been a lot of people being much more aware of it I definitely think I'm much more aware of it in the past you know year or two than I was in my first year of uni you know it's not something I really thought about it's not something that happened at home and it's not something I heard about much you know in media and so whether it was, you know, due to reporting or whether it was due to, you know, an increase of incidents. It's now something that's, you know, really on, you know, the top of my mind that, you know, if one of your friends is acting funny, you're then like, am I taking this person to hospital? Mm. Why am I not? And it's a case of, you know, I guess all of us would rather be safe than sorry and rather go to the hospital and be sent away being like, no, you know, they are, you know, just drunk and panicking or, you know, whatever it is. And it's kind of scary that you we all have in our heads that that might be how our evening would end, you know, taking our friend to hospital or being taken to hospital ourselves yeah. through no fault of your own. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're very much more aware of it now. There was a, a girl back in my hometown who went out one night. She was a couple of years older than me. Um, she had to go to hospital because she was spiked and she had to have a stomach pumped and she was really ill. I think she was in hospital for a couple of days, actually, after, just after being spiked. Um, it really knocked her up she she's quite she was quite a petite little little girl um but yeah it really messed her up she had to have a stomach pumped and she was really ill afterwards after just like one small action from someone and they've caused such a 
a problem and it just doesn't need to happen. Do you remember how people reacted to it? Like, were people shocked? Did anyone um, think it was like her? It was a couple of years ago. Um, I wasn't that close to her. I sort of found out through Facebook. She'd made a massive post as a picture of her from a hospital bed. Um, it was her mum and her, I think, saying that she was spiked. And I think people were angry, I think. Um, she, we live in a quite small village and there's sort of a, a very small city with like three bars in it that you can go to. And I think people more angry and upset. And I, I mean, I, like probably outside of that, she there might have been other things. But like the the community that she was in, they they were upset and worried for her. I think we all were. I'm really glad she was in such a you know big you know community to be able to be like actually you know we're not accepting this in our area and you know we're not accepting this to our yeah. um, young women. I think that's a really you know mm. nice place you lived in. Clearly, um, yeah. It- it got shared a lot around, um, saw it a few times on Facebook, but yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good when people get angry. I think it uh, fuels action. It fuels action. I feel like people, you know, especially sharing it around, I feel like then, you know, people who wouldn't be aware of these issues, you know, then become aware of these issues. So, you know, you yourself as a young woman might have been aware of this, but, you know, were older men aware of this or were, you know, older men did they know their friends were doing this and they go oh actually I didn't realize how bad this thing that my friend was doing was um and so it's a case of you know sharing it you know you never know who it's going to reach whether it's going to reach you know someone who does spike people and didn't realize how damaging it could be or was like oh okay I didn't realize you know how angry this made people and you never know who it's going to reach mm. yeah almost um I know it's probably not a good thing but almost the shocking image of someone lying in a hospital bed almost helps it you know helps that message get out that it's just bad (laughs) yeah I think it helps it sink home you know seeing this young you know otherwise really fit and healthy young woman in a hospital bed that's not a usual thing you see you know that's not a usual thing and so it shows you know the dangers actually know this person has had a really serious illness you know to be in hospital for multiple days is very severe the hospitals don't do that unless you have been very very unwell yeah um, and I felt like this kind of leads me on to the next point of you know victim blaming and I feel like this has always always been an issue with violence against women victim blaming what were you wearing how were you acting how much had you had to drink did you watch your did you watch your cup did you watch your glass and I feel like that's always stopped women from speaking up yeah massively massively I think that's the first thing people think of is like when it's as soon as I mean if they're obviously depending on what state they're in like the the next day the first thing is like oh someone's gonna think that that was me and that was my fault and I think that dread is like the initial thought which is obviously awful. So I think you know victim blaming has been such a huge thing throughout the history of women reporting these sorts of incidences Um, and I think that you know the first reaction a lot of people have is what precautions has the woman taken and at the end of the day we do take these precautions because you know we want to look after ourselves but it, the onus shouldn't be on us to take so many precautions you know we shouldn't have to and I think that that's a difficult balance between telling your friends not to walk home by themselves because you care about them but also being frustrated because just because someone walked home by themselves doesn't mean they deserved this and it doesn't mean that it should have happened and so I think it's a very difficult line to walk. Mm. Yeah, like you wouldn't tell your friend, you wouldn't tell someone what to wear. Like, but obviously, do you know what I mean? But like, obviously, some people have to think, some people think that 
that way like they wouldn't they wouldn't wear what they wanted to wear because it might make them more vulnerable which is awful you should be able to wear what you want to wear you should be able to walk the streets you should not have to not go running at night with your music on like um but yeah the ownership shouldn't be on us yeah the ownership you know is on us and I think it's very very difficult you know when you're trying to keep your um trying to keep your friends safe you're trying to keep um yeah you're trying to keep yourself safe and so I find it very difficult especially as a you know quite a strong feminist I'm going I want to wear what I want to wear and I want to do what I want to do and you know I should be able to do these things but also it's a case of I, I do need to keep myself safe and I do want my friends to be safe and so do you know what I am going to you know call strut safe on my walk home or I am going to tell my friend when I'm home or ask them to tell me when they're home because at the end mm. of the day safety comes before everything else and it's very very difficult but I think it's important to like reiterate that when these instances do happen and when people do come to you, I think it's all about your first reaction to that. And the first reaction shouldn't be, what did she do? It should be what happened to her and what was done to her. Yeah, yeah, 100%. The first thing is believing believing them and not not, judge, not passing any judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had an incident in school with someone I thought I was a friend um, Turned out it wasn't. Um, and I only told sort of two or three people and it was a really horrible time for me. I was having lots of panic attacks in school because I didn't know how to deal with it and stuff. And it kind of eventually got out to a few people and I found um, girls actually um, behind my back were accusing me of lying about it and saying that it wasn't true because it, um, it hadn't happened with him and them and stuff like that. And it feels like, that sort of mirrors the whole sort of view of society and the teachers weren't helpful and things like that and if like the people who are teaching you don't know how to handle it how how are we supposed to know how to handle it and I think that goes like all situations in bars and clubs you know people running it like um the bouncers as we were saying if they don't know how to handle it how how is it supposed how's that message supposed to get to everyone the way to handle it Mm -hmm. I think what you said there is really important, Malenka, when just because it doesn't, they might not have done that to you or you, that, 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 like that person might have not had that experience to that person. It doesn't mean that they didn't do it to someone else because I've had, I've heard that a lot. It's like, oh, but they're a nice guy. Like they they wouldn't be like that. I've never seen them like that. It's like, you can't think like that just because you haven't had that experience with them. Like someone else might have. And, and I think that that's probably such that's a reaction I hear often is them go oh but are you sure because you know and it's I think that's really damaging because it can cut someone off from telling anybody and then and talking about it to anybody else and I think that um something I always say about this I know it's a very extreme example but I always go everyone thought Ted Bundy was a nice guy and I always say that to people (laughs) because people always go no it's true because (laughs) there were people in the court defending him saying no 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 he's not that sort of guy he wouldn't have done that sort of thing and so it's almost anyone can fool anyone you know you can have different personalities with different people you know these people are smart they're not idiots a lot of people who do these things are not are not idiots they know exactly what they're doing and they're doing this intentionally and I think people like to give people the benefit of the doubt and I can see why but why are you giving the perpetrator the benefit of the doubt rather than the victim I think that people are very hesitant to give the Mm. victim the benefit of the doubt yeah because it almost seems like they're I don't know like going against their friend but they shouldn't they, they need to believe the victim if, if even if that person was their 100%, friend. 100%, 100%. Yeah. 
So Maddie, I'm sure this is a huge issue you've come across in the industry. And so what other sorts of things have you seen bars, clubs and venues put in place to help with these issues? I mean, things definitely like happen everywhere. And we were just, it's just trying to keep it really to the minimum um, because we want it to be the place where people go and feel safe and they, and they don't, they feel that they can talk to staff and security. So, I mean, we have, we obviously try and have like posters up in really visible places in the toilets um, to say like, come and talk to our staff. Our staff are all trained in dealing with it. So like they're trained to obviously be discreet and believe them, whoever's coming to them straight away and um, basically ask them what they want to do about it. And um, so we have, yeah, we have lots of posters up. We do, we roll out staff training throughout for not just managers and security, but all of the bar staff as well, because they're the people at the front. They're the people who are really watching people like on the dance floor or in the bar they've got eyes on them um probably the most out of everybody so it's just making sure that everyone is yeah trained and understands what kind of issues can happen and yeah just kind of also trying to put out a message to people that we don't tolerate anything and you will be believed and yeah like in our dressing room I made up a sign the other day that says like while you're in our venue like we don't tolerate and made a massive list of all the things that we don't tolerate. <laughs> and then we said, if you experience this, like as an artist on the stage, because obviously that's another, that's another thing where people can, when they're performing, like you can get people being really gross and or like unwanted attention at the merch stand and things like that. So yeah, kind of just making it really obvious to everybody that it's not tolerated. <laughs> and so when have you noticed like, um, you know, these sorts of things, are these new things? Are these things that have been slowly rolling out? Or is this something that Bodega's always done? Yeah, we, we've definitely, we, I remember about, because I joined about five years ago and I remember there being kind of like posters and things up about, um, from charities that would bring them in like Equation and Safe Kicks Women and they would be giving us these assets. But I think in the in more recent years, we've kind of made, a bit more of an effort to not just be like given things by people and putting them up but to like and train up the staff and because it has been like obviously it's more talked about and it's what seems like more of a more of an issue now um I think so many people are so aware of it now we're actually having less problems because people are coming to chat to us if there's an issue which is great that's what we want right <laughs> Yeah, it's working. Yeah, yeah, it's becoming more normal to just go and be like, I'm having an issue over here because do you know what I mean? Like, which is which is really good, and things get resolved quicker. So, yeah, I think we're definitely always trying to look for more ways, and I think all venues should be doing that. Um, there's always things to be improved. That's what I was going to say. That sounds amazing, and I feel like if all venues you know start to bring in these trainings, start to bring in these procedures, then we would see a decrease in it because there are always you know certain bars and clubs that you know there's always rumors about certain bars, certain clubs. There's always stories from these places. At a certain point, if people if people do want to harm women, if people do want to you know harm others, then they will find a way, even in these safer venues. But I think if we make it as hard as possible for them to do these things, then that can only be a good thing and that can only be positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it comes down to the ownership of the venues a lot of the time. They're like, if that person who owns that venue is a decent person, they're going to make sure all the staff are trained and every, everyone is aware of this. But you don't know who who owns all the venues, do you know what I mean, all over the country. So I think there should also be like um, almost like a person that, like a company or something that or the council maybe should be doing something that like vets all the venues to make sure that they're kind of 
doing these things and have these posters up and the staff are trained like almost like an external thing that makes sure that all of the venues are doing these things because obviously some some people that run them aren't aren't going to care um and they need to be made to uh, to make them a safe place 100 percent, i think it does sound like it comes down to regulating these things whether it's bouncers or bars and clubs having this these minimum standards to be like people aren't accepting this anymore and it's not all about profit and it's not all about you know money and it's not all about getting people in the doors it's actually about making sure people have a good time and people are safe while doing it yeah I think the fact that if you hammer down that like people will come back if they feel safe here do you know what I mean like they won't come back if you might get like one night of money out of them but like they won't be returning customers um so yeah I think it is it is smart business at the end of the day anyway okay so I didn't want to end today on a negative and so I thought we could talk a bit about proving the situation so a bit like what we just discussed um with bars and venues becoming more active in their efforts and that should be encouraged to continue especially in creating more trust between bars clubs venues and women um, and that women know that they will be taken seriously and so it sounds like just come up with a massive list of ways that can be done which is amazing and so it's about yeah venues taking it seriously and venues going actually no we want to create this trust between women and us that they can come to you but as I as I will have mentioned earlier bars and clubs can only do so much in making women safe because a lot of it does come down to you know obviously the spiking and stuff that happens inside the venue but there still are violence and issues on the street getting home um that can't be ignored and also as I said if people are wanting to harm others they'll find a way they will you know they're all smart they'll move where they're doing it and it, it can't be stopped um, unless things such as mm. education are brought in, such as reducing victim blaming to ensure more women come forwards, ensuring perpetrators are caught and given proper repercussions. And also I'm big on we should then re-educate them because mm. it's it's one thing to catch someone and being like, okay, we're going to give you repercussions. But those repercussions for these acts are only going to last so long. You know, they're only going to take a small amount of time and then afterwards they're going to be back out on the street they're going to be back in the clubs they're going to be off their probation they're going to be out in the world again and it's a case of they do need this education they do need to be taught what's acceptable what's not why it's not acceptable I think that's a big one I think that they know what they're doing is wrong but they don't mm. you know, they don't understand what that does to other people and why it's not accepted I also I'm a big proponent of better nighttime affordable public transport. I think the getting home is just, it's such a massive issue for so many people. And I feel like women are forced to spend lots and lots of money on Ubers or walk their friends home and leave earlier than they wanted to because they want to make sure their friends are home. Whereas if there were, you know, better night buses, night trams, night tubes with people who are trained in dealing with drunk people, with people who are trained in dealing with these situations present, I think that would go such a long way mm. um, just in making people feel safer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, definitely. Having options to get home is so important and not to be put in that awkward, sort of that awkward choice you have to make, like, do you walk or do you spend that money? And do you just hope for the best and try and get home as fast as you can? It, definitely having options would be a really good idea. And I also think things such as, like, street lighting especially are massive in making you feel safe street lighting and also knowing that you may be in an area with cameras and you're in a more public area and you're on busy roads I feel like that's 
so important even just to the feeling of safety because sometimes it is all about something might not happen to you on that walk home but that walk home I find them it is upsetting when you're walking home late at night by yourself having to be on your guard I feel that even that experience Mm. in itself is horrible yeah it's unsettling isn't it when you're constantly looking over your shoulder um even if nothing's going on yeah it's not a good feeling it's not a good feeling and I feel like that's one thing that was amazing back when we were you know studying on campus because I feel like campus feels so safe and I had a thought to myself you know why does campus feel safe and I think it is because of all the street lights and I think it is because of the fact that you know there are cameras around and so you know that people aren't doing things in that area they'd be moving on to somewhere else and it's a case of, you know moving them on until they can't can't do these things anywhere yeah like if everywhere is so obviously on CCTV and stuff it does put people off and yeah lit up and if everywhere's doing that then where are they gonna go <laughs> I think that that's such yeah such a big thing and better screening for bouncers um and I think that also a big proponent of this would also be men educating themselves on how they can reduce violence and um, so I found a company called men can stop rape um, and I feel that movements such as this acknowledge that it is just as much for men to fight as for women to fight these people who are doing these actions they must talk about it to their friends and they must brag about it and talk about it and they must be buying these drugs from somewhere and so it's a case of men saying to their friends hang on a minute that's not right or it's a case of men being like hold up that's not funny that's not okay and actually having these conversations with friends or you know people they thought were friends saying actually no I I don't agree with that and I don't think that what you're doing is right yeah massively the conversation between guys just in general about these issues like just talking about it even um is so important because it it makes it a normal thing for them to have conversations about and it not be awkward like, I know so many people that feel so awkward about it because it's talking about guys and it's like okay but it's not just talking about you like <laughs> it's just everybody is an issue and yeah I think that my biggest take home from this will be that women do need to be listened to and I think that in listening to and taking these reports seriously I think that's the only way to move forward with this yeah yeah and I think that's yeah I think that's the biggest thing that's changed recently and I think that's the biggest thing that still needs changed and still needs moved forwards and um still needs progressed (laughs) yeah lots of training lots of education I think from base level right from the start Yeah. yeah definitely so thank you you two for taking the time to come and meet me and discuss this pleasure thank you for having me as well thank you so much for listening to this episode of hysterical woman for comments questions and suggestions please email hystericalwoman.pod at gmail.com or find me on instagram at hystericalwoman.podcast below i will place links for strut safe and men can stop rape for serious issues relating to this podcast please contact the police or your local authorities Again, thank you so much to my two guests and thank you so much for listening. Bye.